This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for all of those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. I'm T.L. Putnam, and I'm your host today. I'm so glad that you're with me. Listen, if your life is anything like mine right now, there's there's not a lot going on, right? Everything has been uh, kind of canceled. And so here we are sitting in our homes, maybe sitting in your car. Uh, you don't have probably a lot else going on. This is a great time to reach out to someone right now, right at the beginning of the show. Reach out to someone who um, maybe you would otherwise be with right now and invite them to listen to the show with you. You could talk about it later over social media and see now we have created some kind of connection where our society is currently trying to um, help us practice social distance, right? Uh, this has been an interesting week, hasn't it? Um, I started off this Lent, I'm really excited about this Lent because I'm approaching it in a different way than I have previously. And we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Um, no longer am I looking at this thing that I'm giving up for Lent as uh, a really self-torture. That's probably a little bit too um, too extreme of a way to say it. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself through this, this painful discipline of, of depriving myself so that I can, uh, you know, I can show how strong my will is. I can exercise my will and strengthen my will and look at how good I am and my fortitude and woo. And every time that I want to do that thing that I've given up, well, I'll just turn my attention to prayer and say, well, that that hunger, that that desire that I have, it's I need to redirect that and give that to God. And it's almost like, um, you know, the the flailing of oneself with your Lenten penance. And this has been really how I've practiced it. You know, when I get hungry because I've given up a specific food, it's like, oh, I need to be praying. And it's it's almost like this reminder of, well, I don't hunger for prayer. Therefore, I need to use this physical hunger as kind of an alarm clock for prayer. And this year, through a number of different scenarios that have gone on, including we read this reading a couple of weeks ago from St. Augustine about expanding our desire and looking at our penances not as this thing that I have to get rid of that's bad or this thing that, you know, it's not good for me and I need to I need to buck up and pull myself up a little bit more and self-improve and be better spiritually, but to look at this and say, you know what, I believe that God wants to be in union with me in a more profound way than I have previously allowed myself uh, to experience. And so in in enlarging my desire for uh, for God, for the experience of feeling the love of God in my heart, for the experience of recognizing God in all of the little instances of my day, because I long for that connection with him, I am willing to let go of some things that don't matter as much, uh, of these things that maybe attract my attention because I'm uh, a little bit easily distracted. And so they're, they're little baubles or uh, little pieces of, you know, my children, they bring me these little things that they're shiny or they're, uh, you know, brightly colored and they cost like five cents, but they hoard them and they love them. And, uh, and, and 
I look at that and think, man, that's just trash. That's that's not worth keeping in this house. But they really want to keep it, and they uh, stack them up by their beds and all kinds of stuff uh, on the little shelves to display them, right? Um, this is, I think, how God looks at some of the things in our lives. The, they're little baubles, and they're, they're worthless in the grander scheme of things. But he, you know, he puts up with it and they're on our shelf. But, you know, the day's going to come when we're going to realize that they're worthless and we're going to clean them out. And God's not going to, he's not going to go, oh, don't throw that out, right? He's going to say, oh, here, let me help you. Let me get the trash bag. Let's make room for some things that are really valuable on that shelf, right? Let's make room in our calendar for those things that are really valuable, some prayer practices, some some almsgiving, some connection with humanity that right now we're just not able to uh, to fit into the calendar because we have these little five-cent baubles that are brightly colored that attract our attention. And so this is what I have been experiencing, um, looking for this new way to look at Lent and really anticipating what it is that God's going to do. And then in the midst of this, the pandemic, we get... Um, we get this now. The World Health Organization has declared the the COVID nineteen virus to be a pandemic. It's everywhere, and and I live in Seattle, so even if you are not nearby, which most of you are not, um, you you recognize that a lot's going on up here in Seattle, uh, and a lot of it being the capacity, right? Not just how many people are sick or how many people have died, but what is the capacity of our medical system. How many beds do we have to be able to treat people who do have severe cases? And those are quickly uh, disappearing, right? Those are quickly being used up. Uh, a lot of our hospitals don't have the, the safety equipment that they need because those pieces of, of equipment have been bought up uh, by the market. And the places that typically have made those and manufactured those are also shut down because of the pandemic. So we're seeing a lot of... Uh, of troubling things come out of our news uh, to the point that now uh, everything has been canceled. Everything over 250 people has been canceled. Everything under 250 people, if we're going to do it, uh, there are special things that we have to do in terms of uh, of cleaning between uh, events and making sure, doing everything that we can to ensure the health and safety of people around us. One of those things is that our archbishop has canceled masses for the whole archdiocese. We're still able to do adoration. The church is still open for prayer. Um, we we still have stations of the cross. We're still able to to distribute food through our food bank uh, and, and things along those lines. But the the actual mass is now no longer open to the public for for now, and and we don't have an end date on that. Um, our schools have been canceled, right? All, all, really all of them in uh, the three counties right near me, they're canceled all the way by the state, by order of the state, canceled all the way through uh, the 24th of April. And so we're kind of looking at the world and going, everything looks a little bit disconcerting right now. Um, everything is in flux and there's a lot of uncertainty. All the sporting events are canceled. All the extracurricular activities are canceled and there's a couple of ways to look at this. One is through fear, which I really don't think is warranted. Um, I think that that prudence absolutely is warranted. Uh, but I think that as we are experiencing this um, 
this quarantine, this self-quarantine, that we ought to take the time to really reevaluate our day, reevaluate our, our activities. What are those things that I do? You know, I, this was not what I was anticipating uh, being able to do during Lent uh, this year, but here it is, here we are. My day job is in basically large events, and, uh, and that is no longer on the table for a little while. And so I'm sitting here going, okay, what are the things in my day that really are very important? And what are the things that I really don't need to do? This goes with the, the school, with the kids, with extracurricular activities. And I invite you to do the same thing. Even if you're in a place where you still have mass, even if you're in a place where uh, those extra restrictions have not been imposed on large events, I want to encourage you to take the time while there are others experiencing this to spend some time in self-evaluation. How do we order our days and, and is it worth it? It used to be that the parish was the center of our social life, right? We, all of our relationships came from the parish and, and we had a community that was devoted to one another in the same way that in the book of Acts chapter two, we see the church devoted to one another, devoted to the, the, the breaking of bread and to the apostles teaching and to the prayers and that's something that, that we, um, as a society, haven't really put a lot of emphasis on. So this time, while we are experiencing here in Seattle and a couple of other uh, dioceses around the country, we're experiencing a loss of the Eucharist. I want to encourage you uh, to, pr- one, pray for an end to this virus. Pray for those of us uh, who do not have the Mass because of the virus. But also, and this is what I'm doing myself. I'm praying for those people who go months and sometimes years without the Eucharist, either because of a shortage of priests or because of um, political oppression. And I'm praying for them and I'm uniting this suffering and this desire for the Eucharist. I'm uniting that with their suffering and I'm praying for a relief for them. Because we are one church, and when anywhere in the world a Mass is being said, the whole church is present. We're mystically present together in that communion, because we are one communion. And so even though I am not unable to to physically receive the Eucharist, I am able to make a spiritual communion. I am able to, to connect with those all around the world who experience a much more profound loss in this regard than I do. And so I want to invite you into that. Another thing I'm going to be doing, I'm going to try to do it every day, is to pray morning prayer. And I'm going to do that morning prayer on Facebook Live. By six o'clock my time, that's eight o'clock central, um, you're invited to come and pray with me. All you got to do, if you've got a a four-volume breviary set, that's great. If you don't, you can get the iBreviary app on your cell phone uh, or pull it up at ibrevery.com and pray that liturgy of the hours with me. If you've not yet friended me on Facebook, now is the great time to do it. You can do that by going to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Join me at eight o'clock central for morning prayer. Uh, Lastly, I want to encourage you to listen for the voice of God. What is God calling you to reorder in your life? Because there will be something. I guarantee you God wants something in your life to be shuffled around to give you a more profound experience of his love 
this Lenten season. Lent gives us the opportunity to reorient ourselves. Uh, And anytime you go on a journey, every once in a while, you have to pull out the map and look at it and make sure you're still going the direction you want to go, Uh, that you didn't miss a turn, that you didn't somehow get a couple of degrees off and are heading now the wrong direction. We have to reorient ourselves to the map as we are uh, on a journey. We have to reorient ourselves to Christ as we move through this pilgrimage, through this earthly pilgrimage towards that promised land. And so this is a great opportunity for you to do that. And we're going to talk today a little bit about how we orient ourselves on Christ with today's guest. And we're talking today with Father Joe. Father Joe Krupp is a priest of the Diocese of Lansing in Michigan. And he um, he's on Twitter. You can follow him there or on Facebook. You just go to the username on the appropriate place, at Joe in Black. Uh, it's because he is Joe and he wears black. Uh, I know this because he told us on Twitter. Uh, and he's got this hashtag, which I love, and I think is pertinent to our, our Lenten journey, and it's hashtag talked to the boss. And the reason I think that this is so important, last week we talked about the promise that God will be with us as we journey through whatever difficulty we're in, and the promise of God's presence Uh, as much as it applied to the children of Israel as they were being led, it applies even more so to us as we have been given the the sacramental presence of Christ in the Eucharist. One of the things I love about uh, Talk to the Boss, Father Joe, is this idea of looking at the circumstances of life and reorienting ourselves not to be distracted by the winds and the waves or by the chat box in the side corner, but to be solely focused, fixing our eyes, as the Scripture says, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and the difference that that makes. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, because this is um, something that you felt compelled to do. How did this come about? Okay. Um, thank you uh, for having me on. I'm pretty fired up here, and uh, I, I, uh, I'm glad that you're asking about this, because this was quite a journey for me. And, you know, it's funny, it's tied a bit to Exodus. Um, When I was, uh, that idea of like Moses looking at the burning bush, Mm -hmm. right? That uh, the idea that it was on fire, but not being consumed. And how often, uh, if we let God in, it's not that he puts out the fire. It's that he makes sure we don't get consumed by it. Mm -hmm. And... um, that was kind of the, the, in a, some way, the birth of this. And the shortest possible way I can think to tell it is it started with um, when Pope Benedict, he said something, isn't that specific? About, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, as it says somewhere in scripture, uh, to quote Hebrew, um, Hebrews, but uh, he said, Priest should get on social media. And so I did. I dove in. And frankly, I was just, you know, me. Uh, posting things that made me laugh, posting things that made me think, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, you get sucked into that whirlpool of rage. Yeah. Um, and I started thinking, I, maybe I don't want anything to do with this. And then uh, I hit a pretty low point in my priesthood. I mean, my priesthood was never in danger. Just a time where I, I was suffering greatly um, and... Uh, my whole life was quite literally turned upside down. And I was uh, at a new assignment, 
juggling three parishes by myself. The closest mm-hmm. priests were 25 minutes away. Um, and uh, it was a tough go. And I kind of continued to gently use Twitter and Facebook the way uh, I was. And then a crazy thing happened. Uh, I'm a big MSU Spartans fan. It's where Jesus went to school. You know your <laughs> And yes, yes. Uh, and um, my buddy is a graduate of another Big Ten university. And we've always had fun, you know, kind of going back and forth. Uh, and what happened is uh, he and I bonded many years before over the movie Tommy Boy. Okay. okay. Uh, just because obviously it's such a, you know, deep. Theological. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Transcendent. <laughs> era. Uh, and so we started swapping Tommy Boy lines over Twitter. And it never occurred to me the fact that he's not the only one reading these. Right. right? We just got going. And he said the one, have you seen the movie? I have, but it's been a while. Okay. So there's this great scene where uh, this woman is being nice, trying to get these kids to behave and it's not working. And so finally she yells at them. I know where you live. And I swear your mothers will weep when they see what I've done to you. (laughs) So I send this to my buddy and he's laughing, you know, haha, and we're having a great time. And then I went into church and I literally spent three hours in the confessional. And when I came back, my Twitter had just blown up. And I was like, boy, this is unusual. And the long and short of it is somebody from that opposing school saw that tweet and didn't see the context. Right. It made the news. (gasps) I got death threats. I got, you know, priest threatens to murder children. Uh, It was unreal. And stupid me thinking all I got to do is explain, right? So I put, hey, guys, this was just a banter back and forth about a movie. Oh, my God, I would never heard it. That did not help. Right. Uh, it, it it only poured gasoline yeah. uh, onto it. And I've never felt like that before. Mm-hmm. I've faced almost every, I, no, that's not fair. I faced a lot of different kinds of human evil uh, mm-hmm. as well as spiritual evil. I faced a lot of different things. I, and at the risk of over drama, I've literally been covered in other people's blood. Mm-hmm. I've never felt so messed up as I did over the next 30 some hours of, uh, you know, child rapist. Uh, I will find you one guy from that university published my address, the parish I was at Hmm. and said, if you want to find him, here's his mass schedule and here's his address. Right. Dude on our bulletin. No one, Jesus doesn't read our bulletin. (laughs) And so uh, the next morning I woke up and I, it was a deep sadness and almost a helpless, it was truly a helplessness as I realized reason's not going to help. Yeah. Um, and, um, I just kind of was sitting in this chair and I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. And I went to delete the account and, uh, sorry, (laughs) I got a text. Uh, I went to delete the account and I know this sounds funny. Okay. It just was clear as a bell. I have something for you to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't even explain that, how uh, clear 
everything in me said, get out. This is awful. And I, again, I don't think I'm overstating it. When I would say at least every five minutes, I was getting an awful message. And, um, and on one level, I looked at that and went, well, it's my own fault, I guess. I, I don't know how to explain that. I was able to recognize, well, I should have used better judgment. Yeah. But at the same time thinking, yeah, but nothing warrants this. Right. Right. Two minutes of looking at the chain of tweets. My buddy deleted his account and has never got on again. Yeah. He was so freaked out by it. And uh, and I'm not exaggerating. It made like Detroit news, sports wow. news. It made Lansing sports news. It made, it was unbelievable. But people know who and, you are now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they knew me before, right? I was pretty... Um, prominent person on the MSU campus for years before that. Um, and it was unreal. Uh, reporters called me just to say, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Literally not to ask for a story, but just to say that's a fan base that's insane, yeah. you know, and we're sorry. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I felt like the Lord said, keep the account. And I did not want to. Yeah. And I called my confessor and he, uh, he said, this is a fight and I don't think you should run away. I think uh, if the Lord says, stay, you best stay. We're talking so today. I, we're yeah. talking today with father Joe Krupp. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe in black. So you're going through this experience where you see the, the worst of, uh, of what human nature has to offer. Uh, and, yeah. and yet you feel this call. So I, I see this picture of staying with the Moses, uh, the Exodus picture of Moses coming down the mountain with the, with the tablets that first time and seeing the worst that his people had to offer uh, yeah. and, and realizing he's still got to go back. He still has yeah. more to do. What is, what does this look like in your situation? Yeah. And on fire, mm. but not consumed. Right. And so uh, about two weeks after that, we had this wonderful deacon at one of my parishes named uh, John Amthor, best last name in the business. And uh, he, there was just this minor issue where he went to an employee and said, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, why are we doing that? And he said, well, I talked to the boss. And he came back and told me that story. And I says, well, who's the boss? And he went, dude, you are. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm pastor. I'm not bright, but uh, I do have the power to crush people for Jesus. So uh, that just became a joke to me, a good joke. You know, every once in a while I would do something stupid and go, and I'm the boss, yeah. you know, and uh, that just evolved into this idea. And my first one of it actually was sat with the boss. And it was just a picture of me sitting in the church and I took a picture, not of me, you know, nobody needs this in their life, uh, but of the, the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And, and I just wrote sitting with the boss, getting my orders for the day. And um, cause what I would do is take my schedule and put it at the tabernacle every morning and just letting him have it, you know? Uh, and so in the end, uh, that's what it evolved into. And at first it was uh, every once in a while, you know, and then it became kind of daily. Uh, 
I try to stay away on days off just because sitting your foot in that pond can be interesting. Right. Um, and if I could, and this is terrible, if I could do it without hurting feelings, I would actually unfollow everybody just because Twitter doesn't let you see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. It, it makes me see what people I follow liked. Uh, and it's so funny you say that my whole struggle in life as a general is my, I have trouble focusing. Right. This is one where it's required all of my energy in the best way possible to pray and ask Jesus, when you focus on you, I want to be a light in that very, very dark place. Yeah. So let's talk about this talk to the boss. Very often you include yeah. photos by what I'm assuming mm-hmm. is your sister. Yeah, my sister or I, yeah. Uh, and so here you have uh, today's or, or okay. b- back on March 10th. Uh, he said to pray every day that God help you forgive those who have deliberately harmed you. Let him free you of that weight. Hashtag talk to the boss. And then you have a, a lovely picture of, uh, of a, a river uh, in between in, in this valley. Lovely, lovely thing. Just to kind of serene as, you're, as you are going through that uh, endless stream of things that are either supposed to make you laugh or supposed to make you angry. Every once in a while, there's this respite, this refocus that says, oh, there's something more to life than than this immediate instance. And perhaps you, you, you're you not a, a fan of Twitter. You can actually go and just, without a, without a login, go to Twitter on the search bar, put in a hashtag, talk to the boss, and just go through these because there's something very centering and very anchoring uh, about this... Uh, this view of saying, you know what? There's a lot in life that's crazy. There's a lot in life that's angering. There's a lot in life that can uh, consume my attention. But there is something that God wants me to focus on that is calming and peaceful. And even if it's frightening, it's peaceful. There's the that presence of God. And I just very much appreciate what you've done here. We're talking today with Father Joe Krupp of a priest of the Diocese of Lansing in Michigan, and we're talking about how to orient our days uh, on Christ, to fix our eyes on Jesus, and, and how that can make a profound difference in our life. You can follow him on Facebook and Twitter like I do. Uh, just search for at Joe in Black, at Joe in Black. When we come back, we're going to look at anchoring ourselves, fixing our eyes on Jesus not just during Lent, but moving forward so our days aren't tossed about to and fro by the whims of our emotions or the changing circumstances that lay siege to our peace, but that we anchor ourselves, anchor our lives and our days on the promised presence of Christ. Join the ongoing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And while you're out there, Search for that hashtag, talk to the boss, get a sense for what we're looking at and how to go about reorienting ourselves. There's much more to come right after this. You don't want to miss even a moment, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L., and today we're talking with Father Joe Krupp, a priest of the Diocese of Lansing in Michigan, and a, a prolific Twitterer, a tweeter. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. You can also follow him on Facebook. I don't know that you do a whole lot on Facebook. Uh, I just drop the post and go. Yeah, so just yeah, yeah go, go to Twitter, at Joe in Black. It's Father Joe, and because he's a father, he wears black. So it's at Joe in Black, and he's got this hashtag, and I love it because it's a, a light in the middle of a frustrating day. It's hashtag talked to the boss. Uh, the first one, Father, that I came across was, uh, I don't even recall what you said. I recall that it was uplifting, but there was a picture that your, uh, your sister took, either of... I don't remember if it was the Adoration Chapel or if it was the baptismal font at Christ the King Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, beautiful, beautiful place. Um, my uh, One of my children was baptized in that baptismal font by the bishop. And uh, my my one of my daughters received First Communion there. And, and so we also have pictures of her in that Adoration Chapel. We spent a lot of time there. And so there, it, that was just endearing in and of itself. And then it, much more so this... Um, this reminder to orient ourselves on the things of God. So th- thinking about this in light of uh, Colossians chapter 3, where it says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father and not on earth, right? Uh, and so with that in mind, that's kind of what these tweets do. They draw you to a place where you uh, focus yourself not on the frustrations of life, but on the reminder that Christ is here, and we can set our day and our time and our clock uh, by his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about the process that you get to to make one of these tweets, um, yeah. because anyone can do this, but it takes a, a very certain process. You you can't reorient yourself on Christ if you are not uh, spending time with Christ in prayer uh, in the reading of Scripture, as St. Jerome said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Um, and so it's not just positive thinking. It's not the power of positive thinking. Oh, it no. is being informed in relationship with Christ and and then setting our attention on him. So talk a little bit about, you've given us the background of how it came to be. Talk, mm-hmm. about, talk now about the process about how you choose what to say on a given day and how someone else might begin to do that same process in their own life. Sure. Well, the nice thing is, if if you look at my life Tuesday through Sunday, there's some things that are super predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be up at, at 5.50, all right? Um, and I'm going to then head up to the chapel. I have a uh, uh, coffee pot with a timer. So, you know, <laughs> uh, when I wake up, there's a nice hot uh, pot of coffee for Jojo. And then I, uh, I go up and sit and we got a little blessed sacrament chapel in my house. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, cause one of the things when, uh, well, that's aside. So, uh, I go sit with him and prayer takes a lot of different forms for me, but the, the, in, inviolate one, I don't, what is the, is it inviolate? The one thing that always oh, is the bravery course, which is, uh, scripture, and uh, mostly patristic commentary on the scripture. And so I, I sit with Jesus and, you know, sometimes I go there and there's, um, 
like today truly was a mess. I genuinely, I know this sounds funny. I always think this, I felt bad for Jesus. I, I just sat there and I was a train wreck of worries. And it's hard to explain to people who aren't priests. And I, I hate how I sound when I say that. You're just carrying 900 things yeah. at, in your head. And I assume it's the same for parents, you know, um, but it's spread out over, in my case, about eight, 9,000 people, right. you know, got to remember that person has cancer. You got to remember that, you know, you, 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 and then all the building worries and all the, you know, ugh. Right. so today was one of those where it was 20 minutes of taking the garbage out uh, and uh, really spending time on that discipline of no, I've given this to Jesus. Right. So here's a question I have for you, because I think this will give insight to me, at least. I don't know about anybody else. Um, Are you the kind of person that thinks in pictures or in monologue? Oh, wow. Groovy. Uh, I think monologue. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And like when I go and I sit in the adoration chapel, it takes me a lot of time just to get my my monologue shut off and it gets to the point that yes. right before my monologue shuts off it's like the monologue is stop talking stop talking stop talking yeah, i got <laughs> you bro i got you i do i i was blessed to go up do you know michigan that well i i i know i know in generalities and i've had the pleasure okay. of visiting even lansing so i oh, you know sweet. there's some yeah. well I, up way up north is a place called uh Sheboygan mm-hmm. and it's a big old bay and I did a retreat there one year and in the morning when I woke up I was sitting on the lawn just staring at the water right and it was packed with boats okay I mean like I I wow it looked to me like a million boats mm-hmm. you know and they all kind of started to head toward the the little mouth Right. Around the same time, and I'm like, well, this ought to be interesting. <laughs> and so I'm just watching, and it looked like chaos, but they all kind of clearly knew what they were doing. And then in a fairly short amount of time, it was empty. Hmm. And I that's one of my, that's that's me in the morning, yeah. right? Sitting with the Lord. It's just one boat at a time. I just try to ship out into the lake. And, uh, and you're right, it is... Uh, there are times I sit with the Lord and theoretically it's an hour, but he got about two minutes out of the deal. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I truly, my comfort truly, and it's funny, but it's also true is he did the whole world in six days. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what, what he can do with two minutes. Well, and I think that this is really good to hear as well, because a lot of us who don't have an adoration chapel in our own home, father, uh, uh, you know, we when we go and we sit in front of the Adoration Chapel, in front of the Tabernacle, the Blessed Presence of Christ, we we might think, "Oh gosh, I'm doing this so poorly. I can't get this right. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this." And I, I love your witness of saying, "No, this is kind of how it happens." But the work that gets done at the end, all of this, uh, all of this that we think is going so poorly, I am convinced is the Holy Spirit tilling the ground so that that seed of Christ's presence can really make a difference. We're talking today with Father Joe Krupp from the Diocese of Lansing. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe in Black. So here you are. You're in the the 
yeah. the chapel, pouring out this uh, frustration of the day, trying to sort things out and focus on Christ. And finally you get there and he gets two minutes. Yeah. The whole time I, I have a journal next to me. Um, and of course my bravery. And when something hits me, then I write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes maybe I'm going to make this up 30 to 40% of the time. It's a consequence specifically of something I'm praying about. Um, that, uh, no one makes an appointment with the priest because everything is going good. Mm -hmm. And so it gives me a sense of what people are wrestling with. And one of the things, uh, and I, I pray I say this well, Mm -hmm. um, I have, uh, family all over, right? There's a billion people in my family and various levels of church, um, church Enos. And it was so funny. This, this was extremely important to me. One of my brothers said, I got to tell you, I, I went to church and the priest started off as homily and said, we're going to talk about and define what mortal sin is. And he said, on one level, I was so relieved because, um, I want to know. Right. And on another level, that's about worry number 932, right? The primary worry for most Catholics, and I, I wish I could, I, I think I'm right, okay? It's not, how do I perfectly execute NFP? How do I perfectly avoid mortal sins? And can I go, it's, how do I get through today on a, and retain my dignity mm-hmm. as God's kid? How do I, so anyway, he, in the end, he said, the priest said, well, I've written this in the bulletin article. And so my brother said, look at this. He said, you can read this bulletin article and maybe understand it. I can't. And sure enough, what the priest did, you know, full knowledge and concupiscence and blah, blah, and was like, Mm-hmm. 80% of God's people, you know, what? They're more confused. And so I said to him, seriously, I said, just think of the CIA, mm-hmm. right? Circumstance, intent, and action. Were you free to sin and or not sin? Yes. Was your intent evil or apathetic? Uh, and A, was the action serious? Mm-hmm. I said, if you hit all three of those at the same time, you've committed a mortal sin. What we tell our kids uh, is we say, and, and Father, we we have a billion, uh, eight, eight, but it, it, people, Congratulations. Are, people, yes, are, yeah. people are less shocked when we say a billion than when we say eight. So right. uh, what we tell our kids is, did you know it was wrong? What Was it very wrong? Did you know it was wrong? And did you choose to do it anyway? Right. That's, that's what it takes. And, and I think that specifically as we're talking about mortal sin and how to get through our day, the first question is, am I seeking a relationship with God? And this goes all the way back again to Exodus. Am I seeking a relationship with God, or am I seeking my own pleasure, power, or um, influence first? Right? right? Do I have something else in front of my desire for God? Can I can I look at God in in the face, uh, as it were? Can I look at God in the face and say? 
today I did my best to be in uh, in union with you? Or is he going to come to me and say, did when you were stressed, when you were worried, when you were uh, distracted, did you seek distractions to be your comfort or did you seek me to be your comfort? And to me, that's the question of the sin or not, because the sin is, yes, something can be objectively sinful, but it's not so much the object as much as it is what it does to the relationship. Did I seek the relationship first? And then, of course, then after that, we can get into questions and, I, and we leave it to the theologians and philosophers right. uh, of, of how to define that. But for mm-hmm. us, and, and I keep going back to the Chesterton quote, let your religion be less of a theory and more yeah. of a love affair. Love affair. Amen. Bro, and that's where I, I've tried to share this with people and I know how awful it sounds. You can be a great theologian who goes to hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you can also be a lover of Jesus, whose theology is kind of wacky, that he gets right to heaven. Mm-hmm. Because the, the good theology thing, I think this is what Paul was just trying to pound into us in Romans. It's this idea of, I got it now. Yeah. Uh, no, here's what I got. I'm a little boy lost in the dark. Yeah. And if I just stick out my hand, he'll grab it and get me there. Well, and frankly, let's look at St. Thomas Aquinas, who was the most brilliant theologian. And at the end of his life, he said, all my work is straw. Yeah. He, even he says, you know, this is, all of that I have done is nothing in comparison to the relationship. One of the things yeah. we're doing at dinnertime right now is um, after the prayer, but before the kids are allowed to eat, we yeah. read just a little bit out of, uh, and, and I've never read it before, so that's why we're doing it. Uh, out of Thomas Akempis' Imitation of Christ. And the first couple of chapters are exactly what you're saying. It doesn't matter what you know if you don't know Christ. Yes. And not about him and not the theory, but actually know him. The devil's theology, I assume, is outstanding. Mm -hmm. He believes in the virgin birth. He believes in the real presence. He believes, you know, and I I don't want to undervalue theology, but I sure don't want to overvalue it. Right. You know, and that's part of, I think, the focus that I struggle with that Twitter is making me fight Mm -hmm. is, okay. I would really, I just did it this morning because I'm a jerk. I really wanted to respond to a stupid tweet. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I had a smart tweet back because I'm a moron. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I stared at that thing and I so wanted to launch the missile. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I'm not clear. I'm not kidding. It was like, no, I can't muddy the waters. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I let, I like my effect. I let my affection for Tiger's baseball show. Right. I like it, which that's a suffering. I let my affection for MSU show and that's lovely and that's innocent and it's fun. Mm-hmm. But when we start getting into, when I still make this mistake, I just did it, I think two weeks ago, I pulled the pin and threw a grenade. And what did I think would happen? Right. Right. And no, I need to be a light. People don't need my opinions. They got a crap ton of them. What they need is the best thing I can do uh, as unfiltered Jesus as I can pull off as a sinner. Yeah. And 
one of the things, like even it's funny, every this happens all the time, okay? Where someone will start following me or at least responding a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's to fix me. <laughs> right. Uh, Jesus said to tell you he loves you. You have to tell people to repent. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Or Jesus says he'll never leave your side. Well, uh, Jesus is nowhere. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but there's a whole segment. There's a broken little thing in all of us that needs to repair what other people are saying to make it more right. And at first I used to try to engage that and say, well, of course they need to repent. But if they're not in love, their repentance is fear-based. And what has that done? Right. right? Uh, so in the end, what I, I just stopped responding to those um, unless it seemed like, like obviously there's earnest ones and there's times where I didn't hear the Lord right. Mm-hmm. You know, but when it's just a constant engagement of wrongness, let it go. God will heal or he will move them away. We talked today with Father Joe Krupp. Follow him on Twitter if you need a little bit of unfiltered Jesus in your life, (laughs) at Joe in Black. And if this has just been delightful for you and you can't get enough, there's good news. Uh, There's always more. There's always more. We always have an extra unbroadcast segment that we give to all of those who support the show through Patreon. So why don't you do this? If if this has just been a lot of fun for you, go to OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, before you do anything else there, go ahead and share this episode on social media, share it with your friends, let them have the joy that you have just experienced. Uh, but then up in the top right hand corner of the page, there's a link that says support the show hyphen Patreon, uh, click that link. And for as little as $5 a month, you can join our support community that helps keep this show on the air. And as a thank you, you'll get extra segments uh, with all of our guests, but specifically the one today with Father Joe is well worth your time and attention. And, it, you know, with everything shut down, you're going to need the extra content, and I'm happy to give it to you. Let's go ahead now and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. For Scripture today, I wanted to spend some time in the Psalms, specifically with all that has been Uh, you know, uncertain in the world, to take a look at this beautiful responsorial psalm from Psalm 103. The Lord is kind and merciful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is kind and merciful. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with kindness and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful. He will not always chide, nor does he keep his wrath forever. Not according to our sins does he deal with us, nor does he requite us according to our crimes. The Lord is kind and merciful. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so surpassing is his kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he put our transgressions from us. The Lord is kind and merciful. That reading comes from Psalm 103. Today's reading from church history is <laughs> it's a little appropriate 
It comes from the treatise on flight from the world by St. Ambrose. And maybe you feel like you're in a little bit of a flight from the world, both in the Lenten sense and also in the, um, in the pandemic sense. Uh, but I think that this is appropriate for us in both realities. Where a man's heart is, there is his treasure also. God is not accustomed to refusing a good gift to those who ask for one, since he is good, and especially to those who are faithful to him. Let us hold fast to him with all our soul, our heart, our strength, and so enjoy his light and see his glory and possess the grace of supernatural joy. Let us reach out with our hearts to possess that good, Let us exist in it and live in it. Let us hold fast to it, that good which is beyond all we can know or see and is marked by perpetual peace and tranquility, a peace which is beyond all we can know or understand. This is the good that permeates creation. In it we all live. On it we all depend. It has nothing above it. It is divine. No one is good but God alone. What is good is therefore divine. What is divine is therefore good. Scripture says, When you open your hand, all things will be filled with goodness. It is through God's goodness that all that is truly good is given us, and in it there is no admixture of evil. These good things are promised by Scripture to those who are faithful. The good things of the land will be your food. We have died with Christ. We carry about in our bodies the sign of his death, so that the living Christ may also be revealed in us. The life we live is not now our ordinary life, but the life of Christ, a life of sinlessness of chastity, of simplicity, and every other virtue. We have risen with Christ. Let us live in Christ. Let us ascend in Christ, so that the serpent may not have power here below to wound us in the heel. Let us take refuge from this world. You can do this in spirit, even if you were kept here in the body. You can at the same time be here and present to the Lord. Your soul must hold fast to him. You must follow after him in your thoughts. You must tread his ways by faith, not in outward show. You must take refuge in him. He is your refuge and your strength. David addresses him in these words. I fled to you for refuge, and I was not disappointed. Since God is our refuge, God who is in heaven and above the heavens, we must take refuge from this world in that place where there is peace, where there is rest from toil, where we can celebrate the great Sabbath. As Moses said, the Sabbaths of the land will provide you with food to rest in the Lord, and to see his joy is like a banquet and full of gladness and tranquility. 
let us take refuge like deer beside the fountain of waters. Let our soul thirst as David thirsted for the fountain. What is that fountain? Listen to David. With you is the fountain of life. Let my soul say to this fountain, When shall I come and see you face to face? For the fountain is God himself. That reading comes from a treatise on flight from the world by St. Ambrose. And I think it's got a couple of things to offer us today. The first is this. Seek the good. Seek the good where Christ is seated in heavenly places, right? Fix our eyes on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. We can get so caught up in the the cacophony of life, the, the absolute chaos that unfolds around us, that we don't take the time to find the peace and the tranquility that comes from God alone. The second is this. You and I are vectors for God's goodness, right? We, if you've been listening to much of the news, you hear about the vector for disease. There's the chance that we can spread this pandemic. Well, at the same time, there's the chance that we can spread the goodness of the Lord. Now, we need to take into account the common good. And if, if you feel ill, if you feel a little bit sick, even if you think it's just like common cold, you should probably not go about uh, in, in public in these ways. But if you feel healthy and you are not uh, at high risk and you don't have people in your home that are at high risk, then be a vector for the goodness of God. There's lots of ways that you can do this. One, um, check and see with your local food bank if they need uh, someone to help distribute food. Check with your local blood bank because a lot of people are not donating right now, but people still are in need of blood. If you can donate, that would be a, a form of almsgiving that's consistent with our Lenten practice and is uh, cognizant of the common good. You can uh, pull out a church directory and start calling people in it. Maybe someone that you recognize their face, but you haven't had a chance really to sit down and talk with them and find out who they are. Call them in this time and make sure that they're okay, that that they have what they need, that they are well, uh, well taken care of. And then also, while you're doing this, take refuge from the world. Maybe turn off the radio and just sit in, in your commute to work and sit in silence, sit in prayer. Uh, if, you have, uh, if you have other things that, you know, you sit down like I used to do, sit down at night and turn on the TV and you don't really care what's on it, you're just sitting there. Turn it off. Have a little bit of a retreat from the world this Lent and give yourself time to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Read the Bible for 10 minutes a day. Uh, Join me in the mornings for morning prayer on Facebook Live. But find some way to hear the voice of Jesus, to orient yourself on Him. And in your charity, pray for all of those who are unable to go to Mass due to this outbreak. Today's show is brought to you by Anil Thomas and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. Be a part of the ongoing conversation. Join me on Twitter. The handle's at OutsideTheWalls. On Facebook, it's Step Outside the Walls. And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.